I was learning something recently. I was reading about something, which mm-hmm. was the history of the term gossip. Ooh, okay. So gossip used to be, yo, I read this on Instagram, so and there were no links. Okay, great. So just to let you know, I don't yeah, know yeah, the yeah. sources, but- We're not an anthropologist over <laughs> no. here, no. But the origin of the term gossip actually meant like a group of close female friends. Ooh, good. And that there is this power that women have in the fact that they- being home all the time, being around children, they have opportunities to interact with other women in a way that like men don't necessarily do mm-hmm. and like unsupervised alone time with other women. And so the idea Which was leads that to chaos. Yes. Women's rights. <laughs> abortion. Pants. Pants. <laughs> the workforce. <laughs> Ooh, we powerful. And from what I remember, these situations like knitting clubs, sewing circles, teas, um, were leading to actually pretty powerful like political movements mm. to, uh, like fully pushed forward by women or women behind like men that had power and privilege. And so it got to the point where like these gossips of women were – seen by men as something that had to be dismantled. Ugh, classic. Because they didn't want these fucking petty-ass women coming around talking about how they were going to get rights. Yeah. And kill their husbands with poison. It's a smart way to do it. So I think they started, I say they, like there's like some Illuminati. There is, but not this one. Different Illuminati. Mm -hmm. That men came together and created like a kind of campaign against gossiping as like a feminine uh, weakness. Vice, yeah. yeah, vice is a good word. Um, and that it showed like weak-willed, like weak-mindedness. And um, no, it's just fun. It's just nice to know things that others don't know. And then you get to tell them like me right now. It's so good. Yeah. You feel smart. You feel like this person is a confidant. You feel well-connected. Mm-hmm. feel like you're sharing. Mm-hmm. You feel powerful. Mm-hmm. feel bloodthirsty. Yeah, I'm hungry. For the blood. And hungry. <laughs> There's always snacks. It's a now, great time. This is also a thing. I think there should be more snacks at gossiping situations. Yeah. Fruit snacks. Anything with three or more people, snacks. Mm-hmm. Just like a requirement. Yeah. Have snacks or you hate your friends. That's it. Here we go. Welcome to Vaults of the Obscure. By which, yes. I'm Alicia Herner. And I'm Tara Keck. It's funny for I was labeling the truth and drink one, and you were like, Welcome to Vaults of the Obscure by which yes. She's Alicia Herdick. <laughs> gotcha. Because I was so drunk I forgot to say. <laughs> I was like, what happens next? I'm so scared to play this game. Oh, I hate this game with all my secrets. <laughs> I remember us being really good at that game. No, we are really good. It's really funny. Is it good? Yeah. I guess they would have known it's good because this is coming out after one of the episodes. Yeah. How many did we get to? Do you have to cut anything? Oh, I don't know. I just did the first 10. Okay. Yeah. I hope we cut the one about my porn. My vicious porn addiction. That's not in this one. Okay. But we can cut it from the next one. Okay. 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 Perfect. Today we're going to talk about Medusa. I know this bitch. You know this bitch. Uh, I know of this bitch. I don't know her personally. I'm oh, sorry. I was like, no, no, no. Tell us all about her. <laughs> like, what's her shoe size? Oh, like, well, we know that she's an average woman. So she's actually, an average woman. surprisingly... 8.5 to 9. 
that's the average shoe size? Yeah, I learned that. Well, we learned that today. Oh, you're right. My feet are seven. You're tiny. <laughs> little princess, little Cinderella. Me. My glass slippers. So let's start with a story time about Medusa. I'll play some music. Da-da-da-da. Legend has it that Medusa and her sisters, Theno and Euryale, were born in the caverns beneath Mount Olympus. Their parents were Phorcus and Keto. Both were primordial sea gods, which means that in the long incestuous line of gods and goddesses, Phorcus and Ceto were like kind of the first entities in existence. So they're like OG. Basically. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. like before the Titans. Exactly. Stheno and Euryale were immortal, whereas Medusa was immortal, which seems like a huge oversight already. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. So the other two, immortal. No. Only Medusa. The story goes that Poseidon raped Medusa in Athena's temple. Athena, being the petty bitch that she was, did not care that Medusa was raped, but she was upset about his sexual penetration happening within her temple, her sacred, virginal temple. As punishment, Athena turned Medusa into a gorgon, a terrifyingly beautiful winged woman with snakes in her hair. Wait, she's got wings? She's got wings! I didn't know that either! This is never. Apparently she has wings. That's like beautiful cool wings. Fuck. Right? It is said that Athena changed Medusa's hair into snakes so that she may alarm her surprised foes with terror. Which, if a bitch had snakes and looked at me, I'd be scared. Yeah. So, the job well done, Athena. When Stheno and Euryale tried to stick up for their sister, they were turned into Gorgons as well. Like, literally being like, Curse you, Poseidon. This shouldn't have been done to our sister. Gorgons. You don't speak out against the gods. That is so terrifying. Men. Men. Controlling everyone. As the old saying goes, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So from then on, the Gorgons viciously hated men, and any man that came near them would be turned to stone if they looked into the Gorgons' eyes. Which, that is a cool superhero power. I love that. Despite the rape, either Gorgons have a super long gestation period or Medusa kept having sex with her abuser. We don't know. But Medusa was pregnant when Perseus came to attack her. So we're going to talk about this bitch, Perseus. Perseus came to Medusa out of a need to save his mother from being forced to marry this man named Polydectes. Polydectes was kind of a dick and orchestrated this huge banquet to basically shame Perseus and have him leave motherless with his tail between his legs. For the banquet, Polydectus asked each guest to arrive with a gift, that gift being a horse. Perseus didn't have a horse. Wait, he was like, bring me gifts, but they must all be horses? They must all be horses, which honestly, my nightmare. One, never bring a horse to my party. I will cry. They're scary. They have mouths. There are several elements of this story that are very upsetting to you. (laughs) There really are. (laughs) This was a fun one for me to look into. Perseus didn't have a horse, so he asked Polydectus to name a different gift and that Perseus would not refuse it. Famous last words, you know. Polydectus demanded the head of the only mortal Gorgon, Medusa. So instead of finding a horse... He could have... This seems... Perseus decided to go kill a Gorgon. So he must, like, really love his mom? Like, what... Is it? Is she worth this? If you love your mom so much, why don't you marry her, Perseus? <laughs> well, that's a different story. That, that's Oedipus. That's Oedipus. <laughs> Very different. Perseus was then off, 
But the gods didn't like Polydectus, and they really didn't like Medusa, even though they're the ones who did shit to her. So they were down to help him. But they would only help Perseus so long as it was a quest. Wait, so what makes up a quest? Just a series of challenges before you can get to your final challenge. Oh, many bosses. It's like bosses. a video game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's and many bosses. You, you hit the final boss. Yeah. Okay. Gods love, 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 love quests. It like really gets their rocks off. I think they're like gambling or something on it. They're just like counting cards, like trying to figure it out. But they love creating a challenge of watching a solitary man, always a man, come out either as a hero or dismembered into a million little pieces. So I guess with the stakes like that, that would be kind of fun to watch and orchestrate. I, I believe that. That's for sure. Yeah. By the instruction of Athena, Perseus had to find the Hesperides, who were a group of nymphs that were entrusted with weapons to defeat the Gorgons. But she didn't give him directions. Go! Find! Find me the Quiznos! Where is it? Find me the only Sabaros in New York City! <laughs> Where, Where is it? It's... it's Everything's by Times Square, guys. Okay. That's what it is. If you're a chain restaurant, you're by Times Square. But to find the Hesperides, Perseus went to the Graia. The Graia were three old biddies who shared a single eye and a single tooth. They had a nice cameo in Hercules, like really did well there. And they had more teeth in that version also, just to be noticed. When Perseus reached the Graia, he was able to snatch their single eyeball and demand the blind gummy women to tell him where the Hesperides dwelled. Or also fucking take your eye and take your single I'm tooth. I'm eat your fucking eye. With like, your tooth. I don't know. With your one tooth. Stab it. Oh, man, that would have been vicious. The sisters led him to the nymphs and Perseus returned the eye to them. From the Hesperides, Perseus received a knapsack. So he got a bag that could safely hold Medusa's head. Zeus then gave him a sword and Hades' helm of darkness, i.e. Hades' hat of invisibility. Hermes lent Perseus his winged sandals to fly, and Athena gave him a polished shield. So the winged sandals to fly is actually really helpful now that we know that these Gorgons have wings. Okay, right, because they could have just flown into the sky. Yeah, because then it just seemed a little, like, I don't know, flamboyant to just fly in with these, like, winged sandals. But I have to say, from the get-go, this does not seem like a fair fight. Like, our hero really has a lot of, like, items equipped to his belt right now. Like, she had snakes in her hair, wings that could turn people to stone, but Perseus had a sword, an invisibility hat, winged sandals, a shield, and a bag. Like, that's a huge advantage. Perseus went to the Gorgon's cave and attacked Medusa while she was sleeping. By using the reflection of the shield to see Medusa, he was able to cut off Medusa's head. From her body exploded out Pegasus, the winged horse, and Chrysaor, a giant with a sword of gold. Because remember, I said she was pregnant. Oh. So that, poof. Oh. It all comes back. And I, Chrysaor. And he can show up to the party with the horse and the head. He's like, ta-da. No, I think Pegasus just kind of like flew off. And I don't know what the giant with the sword of gold did, but he sounds like a very... Not even a supportive character. He shows up for one episode. He's like a background extra with one line. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just moving the plot along, I think. And he's it's not as humorous as like, did you ever watch um, the new Jurassic Park? Yes. Where the guy with the running, margaritas? Yes, yeah. running with the margaritas. <laughs> That's like a fucking top bill extra. That is really good. Yeah. So that was probably the best part of that movie. <laughs> 
Theno and Euryale tried to kill Perseus after he murdered their sister, but he used Hades' Helm of Darkness to become invisible and escaped with Medusa's head. In many stories, Euryale let out a bellowing wail after Medusa's death in which her anguished howls could make stones crumble to sand. Damn. Pretty intense. I mean, their sister got murdered. That's like, her sister got attacked, Mm -hmm. punished for being attacked, and then sequestered off to isolation, and then murdered for no reason. Yeah. Other than greed and quests. Yeah. Just gods being gods. This is fucking like amethyst all over. I just feel It's fucking rude, honestly. I'm really over it. As Perseus fled back home, he got a tit... He got in a tiff with Atlas, that motherfucking titan that's holding the globe on his back. How did he get down there? I don't know. He, I, well, he was like flying on his little wing sandals and he was just like, hello, I guess. And I don't fucking know. Where, what? What? This doesn't even make sense in story world. Perseus showed the Medusa's head to Atlas and that turned him to stone, which that's where that cut off that. So I'm like, maybe that's why the world's tilted. I don't know. That makes sense. Yeah. When Perseus stopped on the shore of Ethiopia and laid the head on the ground, it is said that the blood that trickled out of the bag spilled into the seaweed and created the corals in the Red Sea. And then when he stopped in the Sahara and put the bag on the ground, the venomous vipers are said to have grown from spilt drops of her blood. Along with the snakes, her blood created the Amphisbena, a horned dragon-like creature with a snake-headed tail. So it's got like two heads kind of thing. Oh, yikes, a Rooney. Not good. Don't tread on that. Not good at all. Perseus was then able to save his mother from the forced marriage by turning Polydectus to stone with the Medusa head. I feel like when it's your second time, like, you're kind of abusing this power a little bit. Yeah. Probably should have just gone home, saved your mom, kissed her on the lips, left. As, (laughs) As you do. As you do in ancient Greek. Kiss your mom on the lips. Afterwards, he gave the head of Medusa to Athena, who then placed it on her shield. And that's it. That's the story, baby. Baby, like, he could have gotten into so many more shenanigans. He's got all of these tools. Well, it's not about him. We're not putting the spotlight on him. We're putting the spotlight on her. But yeah, he just gave it to Athena, and she's like, this would be on my shield. Which is like, bitch, you made her this. You could have just put her on your shield. Yeah, you made this whole fucking poetic saga. Of punishment, and instead you could have just, like, cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. Less death. Mm-hmm. Less stoning. Less torture. Less pain. Tor- yes. Yeah. Ridiculous. So the head of Medusa still appears on, like, different brands and emblems and kind of like an icon. The head is featured on the flag and emblem of Sicily and on the municipal coat of arms for the Dohalis village in the Czech Republic. Oh, interesting. Fun, fun. The Medusa head is the brand logo also for the fashion company, Versace. And of course, she's had many film and television appearances. She's very, very famous. Most notably, the 1981 film Clash of the Titans, and more recently in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Medusa is also featured in video games and RPGs, including Dungeons & Dragons, Kid Icarus, Castlevania, and even in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, really? I never finished that game. I've never played any of these games and that's okay that's not true you did play dungeons and dragons once for my birthday does that count as dungeons and dragons though it did yes it does why does everything count as dungeons and dragons i mean this counts as dungeons and dragons this what we're doing right now what is a charisma check you mean we're charismaing 
back and forth. My levels are plummeting now. <laughs> I don't know how this game is played. In the 19th century, Medusa became a popular emblem for Jacobinism after the French Revolution and became an icon for French liberty. To French radicals of the time, Medusa was an abject hero, a victim of tyranny whose weakness, disfiguration, and monstrous mutilation had become a kind of revolutionary power. So Medusa's kind of like superseding history. She goes on and on and on. In concepts of nihilism, the Medusa myth is used in contrast to romantic idealism. So this is the interpretation of the myth that means to avoid looking into Medusa's eyes represents the attempts to avoid remembering the depressing reality that the universe is meaningless. You're just avoiding the truth that everything means nothing. Because if you look at it, you'll turn to stone. Exactly. You'll turn to stone because you're aware of the truth. Wow. Yeah. In 20th century feminism, there was a lot of discussion about the use of Medusa in the myth and what she represents. The book Female Rage, Unlocking Its Secrets, Claiming Its Power by Mary Valentis and Anne Devane, which, awesome title. This is a great, I should read this book. Yeah, that's a great title. Notes that when we asked women what female rage looks like to them, it was always Medusa, the snark, the snarky, the snaky haired monster of myth who came to mind. In one interview after another, we were told that Medusa is the most horrific woman in the world, though none of the women we interviewed could remember the details of the myth. Yeah, I think that there was also like this feeling, I remember as a kid, being like, if she looks at you, it's because she's so ugly that she turns to stone. But I think in Mythos, she's described as being like quite beautiful. Yeah, she's extremely good looking. Yeah, which... I mean, Poseidon's not going to put his dick in like an uggo. No. He's a god. It's not Zeus. No. Zeus is just like, uh, very mm-hmm. lackadaisical, any holes a goal kind of guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. One way to live. Medusa has since become an emblem of female rage. In the fall 1986 magazine Women of Power, there was an article titled Gorgons, A Face for Contemporary Women's Rage, written by Emily Irwin Culpepper, who wrote that the Amazon Gorgon face is female fury personified. The Gorgon Medusa image has been rapidly adopted by large numbers of feminists who recognized her as one face of our own rage. Shit, stunning. And in a 2016 Atlantic essay, like, Medusa's still notable. She's around. She's around. Writer Elizabeth Johnston even called Medusa the original nasty woman, comparing the Medusa myth to the story created around presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. That's really interesting. And then feminist theorist Helene Sisu wrote the essay, The Laugh of the Medusa, which is a call to arms urging women to reclaim their identity through writing and reject the patriarchal society of Western culture. Sisu claims we must kill the false women. Nope. Kill the... No, but actually, we must kill the false woman who is preventing the live one from breathing. Inscribe the breath of the whole woman. She also writes, you only have to look at the Medusa straight on to see her, and she's not deadly. She's beautiful, and she's laughing. Can we unpack that? Yeah, okay. sure. So who is a false woman? Is a false woman like the layer on top that we that we wear to be I think it's the one who, yes, and the one, as you were talking about gossips, mm. Kind of being forced to not be that woman and to shame other women who are that woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So playing this role in like the patriarchal cog or patriarchal machine, she's a cog. 
and dismantling her, actually killing her. Let's murder her. This is fucking new Taylor. We're just going straight for it. Not with Tara. She can't handle murder. But with me. With Alicia. Because I can. She could. And I won't tell anyone. I'm a Martha Stewart all the way to that jail and back. You got no names out of me, baby. And make and make plenty of friends. And make plenty <laughs> shaking hands. Yeah. Making okay. pies. So we're killing the woman that is the cookie cutter patriarchal archetype of proper woman. Because she's sapping the breath from what like true womanhood is is mm-hmm. which is like amorphous and chaotic and uh and all these other things yeah and then to inscribe the breath of the whole woman so that she can live wholeheartedly and be a whole and complete creature yeah with all of her complexities and complications okay now i understand so we should do just like a really quick wrap up of like all of the this is a fucking what reading we've learned list. yeah this is a reading list Okay, so I just want to go for firsties. Alicia mentioned the book Female Rage, Unlocking Its Secrets, Claiming Its Power by Mary Valentis and Anne Devane. Mm-hmm. Then she mentioned the 1986 article in Woman of Power titled Gorgons, A Face for Contemporary Women's Rage, written by Emily Irwin Culpepper. An Atlantic article or an Atlantic essay written by Elizabeth Johnston that talked about Medusa being the original nasty woman. And then finally, the essay by Helen Sisu, The Laugh of the Medusa. Correct. And that's your feminist history lesson for the day. There you go. There you go. You heard it here. Go write, read those and come back to me with an eight-page essay. By Monday. Poof. Bye. She, today's, today's fucking Wednesday. Guys, you got to rush through this. It's not a even week. a week. We're a mean teacher. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? What do you think about Medusa? Like, what were your thoughts like beforehand and like ideas about her and... How did that change or I remember did it not change? originally, even as a child, like feeling deep sadness for this character because I think I did feel like before I knew what preceded her gorgonness, mm-hmm. I was like, this is a woman that just wants to be left alone. And she was humanoid enough rather than like a monster in the pit of a cave that's mm-hmm. like, you have to go kill because it's doing such and such thing. And so I think... The more you learn about Greek mythos, the more objective, like the more I understand the objectification of like women during that time as like a thing of conquest and a thing to punish and like a thing. This is an object that is acted upon, whereas there seem to be very few human women that have um, have the ability to be active creators in their own environment in their own reality. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me the most violent retribution i mean i just finished reading or listening to circe mm-hmm. and i'm going i'm going through a couple other like greek mythos books it seems to me that other female goddesses are the most vicious in their retribution towards female humans that makes sense and i don't understand it that's that's the constant like woman putting woman down like, we can't all be at the top. There's only room for three of us. Yeah, it's it's more than more than petty. It's almost like, because I know that there's sort of like this understanding that like all Greek gods have this, um, this betterness to them, that they are better than humans and therefore like human trites and um, issues are of none of their concern mm-hmm. and that they can act in any way that they want to because they are via their birth better. But when male gods do it, it seems to be about 
Sex. Yeah, sex and power. And for women, it seems to be about like... Revenge, maybe? Revenge. Yeah. Absolutely. That's exactly it. In in some weird way. What do you think? Where were you coming into this? I was coming into this and I really knew nothing about Medusa. The vague Perseus killed her. That was like as much as I knew. So I just found it very interesting. I didn't know that she got changed because of a rape from a god. Like, And just like, what a sad, sad life. To just be like, this one bad thing happened to me and now, which is very, you know, classically to what happens to people. And now all these other bad things are happening to me. Like, why is yeah. this happening? And it made me think of, I was listening to like a screenwriting podcast called Script Notes and they'll take listener questions and stuff. And one was talking about her agent's boss took her out for like dinner or whatnot, was like savagely hitting on her and everything. He didn't like do anything to her, but it's this very, she hasn't like made it yet. And should she leave her agent? I mean, she's not under this gross guy, but the gross guy is the agent's boss. So they will, of course, see each other again. And it's just like, at that point, you can't even necessarily me to them because a lot of the people who are coming out for me too, who don't have a celebrity or high status in their profession, lose their jobs, lose their gigs, like Mm -hmm. still somehow get deemed too difficult to work with. There's just a lot of backlash. And it's not like coming out being like, this guy's a shady guy and he did this to me and he might do this to other people, which is what I don't want. We should get rid of him. The thing that you're trying to do to help other people ends up harming you. Yeah. Even if it's just going to be for like the next five years. But it's Mm -hmm. like, that's gross. You ever just like think about the powerlessness of womanhood? Like we are seen as like these devious, conniving, gossipy, like jealous, controlling creatures. Mm -hmm. And yet I sometimes feel at a loss for what power I actually have. Well, you have gossiping. Deviousness. Deviousness. Controlling. Jealousy. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. We got also, creature, it. you're kind of, you know, I'm we're, a, we're a little bit of a monster. <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually watched um, The Witches of Eastwick. Have you seen it? No, but it's on my list. Okay. Very good. It's on HBO Max. So give it a go whenever you get a chance. And one of the things is Jack Nicholson's just being like, women are so great. Like, men are idiots, but women. There's no life without women. Like, they are so essential to our being. And yet we get treated so foully. What the fuck's up with this? Mm-mm, what are mm-mm. y'all doing out there? Not the Patreon listeners. Like, I know they're nice. You guys are doing great. Yeah. Stick up for your friends always. And if you guys haven't read Seven Eves, there really is That's some no, shit. no use for men. <laughs> we did they great did fine. Them. Yeah. <laughs> they did actually very, very well. Yeah. I mean, there was some, like, infighting between the women, but mm-hmm. Seven Eves, great book. Very long. Technical. Woo! Get that audiobook. <laughs> Get the, yeah. You'll be looking at, like, a blank wall for two days, maybe. That first, we're going way off the rails, but that first section <laughs> fucked me up. It took me months to get through it because it was just, like, 
chapter one and then chapter two. Yeah. And then, ah, chapter three. And it was like, wasn't that right at the beginning of COVID or something? Yes. Well, yeah. yes, exactly. It was like <laughs> fucking doomsday as shit. Yeah. And I was like, I think it, when I first started, I was like, I have to put this down for a while. Yeah, I, don't I think you give told you, me that. I don't want to give you back this book. I want to finish it, but this is not. April in 2020 is not the time. This is not going well for me. Whatever. I like Medusa. Whatever. She, she's on my she's on my hit list now in a good way, not in a murder way. Medusa stand. My top, top 40 hits. <laughs> Medusa's number one. Put her on the radio. And this has been Vaults of the Obscure. Bye. See ya. Oh,